It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. All right, Dynasty Podcast, live from Pilton in Chicago. Haima Black, I am your host, and today I am talking with Ruben Flores Martinez and Izzy Lugo from the startup, the Chicago-based company, Cash Drop. How are we doing today? I'm great. Great. Hi, man. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you both for taking the time. Um, it seems like Cash Drop has got stuff going on, so I would imagine you're both busy. I appreciate the, you know, the time being here today. I usually start just getting some background you know, with the people I am talking to, so I'd love to kind of hear how both of you got your start in you know, the tech space, the startup space, kind of what each of your background is. Take the floor, Ruben. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, I've been in Chicago for about three years. Uh, I moved here uh, to start uh, a tech company, a different project. Uh, Cash Traps really just existed a little bit over a year, so it's moved really quickly. But uh, um, I've always been an entrepreneur since birth. Uh, I was born and raised in Mexico, a city called Guadalajara. It is, uh, you know, one of those cities where it's very industrious. A lot of people work with their hands. They manufacture a lot of products. So everybody's got the entrepreneur bug over there. And, you know, I've always had this personal obsession with, with making it easier for people to achieve things and optimizing it and creating processes around things. Um, you know, when w my family moved, uh, moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, when I was 13 years old, um, so I kind of finished growing up, you know, part-time in Mexico, part-time in Milwaukee. So it was an interesting experience. Uh, I learned very early on that I wanted to be an engineer. Um, you know, when I was in high school, the app store was brand new. So, oh, wow. I, yeah. Yeah. This, this idea that anybody with a phone and a laptop could change the world and tackle massive problems that could affect the lives of billions overnight was fascinating. And, you know, it had never been easier. And that's where I kind of knew that this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't know exactly how, but, you know, you're just going to figure it out. Um, you know, I, grad I graduated high school. Uh, I was going to go to school. I couldn't because it was undocumented, uh, but I didn't let that stop me. Um, I taught myself how to code on YouTube. Uh, ironically, in the halls of the university that my girlfriend went to, I couldn't afford to go to. Because uh, I didn't, I was undocumented, but I just borrowed her ID. I logged into the Wi-Fi and I started watching YouTube videos on how to code. And the rest is history. Uh, just I've always been very determined, finding a way, finding a way. So here we are today. So it's been it's been a crazy experience. Yeah, that's an amazing story. And and Izzy, I want to hear your story as well. But just just to touch on what you're saying for just a moment, Ruben, like. Hey, I remember that Napster moment. And that was like, there was, there was nothing that compared to it because now in 2020, if there's a new app, that's exciting, but we yep. know what an app is. It's not, it doesn't change the meaning of our entire lives. Like moments like Napster, the iPhone, the iPod, these were moments where like our, our lives, like on every level suddenly kind of changed, like what we could do in most aspects of our day to day was different you know these were like seismic shifts so i remember that that is that was an inspiring moment for sure yeah um, and izzy i would love to hear you know how you got your start as well yeah definitely um i appreciate you having us on as again uh 
My start's way different than Ruben's. I, I was very privileged growing up, to be blatantly honest. Uh, grew up in Chicago, um, originally from the Humble Park area, so shout out to Division in Hoyne. Um, but actually ended up uh, going to high school uh, with, grateful to my parents, they moved me out to the suburbs. Uh, so I went to Huntley High School and wanted to get outside of the city. I wanted to be as far away from my parents that I could, that they couldn't pop up on me. And then close enough that I can go home and have mom mom's rice and dad's pork chops if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And ended up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, and ended up running track for Cardinal Street University and studied, studied sports management, got a degree. Cool. Got a job with the Bucks. Cool. Thought my life was made until uh, everything that I really worked towards, which was this degree to this point um, and working in sports until I realized that like it sucked, like the industry sucked and I didn't want to be in it. And uh, I didn't know what to do next, really. And I decided to take a job with one of my inter- my old internships to see if it was just the the role that I was in. And it turns out it wasn't. And when I sat down, uh, I sat down with my girlfriend and I said, I, I really don't know what I should do. Like I go into work every day. I hate my life. Um, I don't know what to do. And one day I, I just popped in and decided to quit my job and quit it. And three months later, started a agency um, up in Milwaukee. And uh, it grew really, really fast. Unfortunately, COVID killed it. Uh, we were very dependent on the DNC, uh, got really aggressive with our money. Yeah. And when the DNC announced that they weren't coming into town, I we died. And uh, all the while, I had been in contact with Ruben for a while. Um, just he, We sat down, had lunch a few times, a coffee a few times. And um, he kept telling me about this idea. And I was wondering like, hey, why the hell don't, doesn't Milwaukee really jump onto this idea? Like it's a really cool idea. There's a lot of uh, vendors and merchants using it in the city. But when it came to the startup community, I was seeing just pushback. And it was something that I saw with my business as well uh, in the startup community in Milwaukee. And uh, when the opportunity presented itself, I, I told Ruben, I said, I, I think I can help help out. Um, and I've been, uh, kind of spearheading collaborations, uh, on the, the, the cash shop side, um, just trying to get us into emerging markets and show off that the, the app and the platform is more, it can do so much more than just be a restaurant POS. It can, uh, if you wanted to, you can start a a t-shirt business in 15 minutes while watching this podcast. And that's the biggest thing. That's exactly what uh, these collaborations are doing. That's the the messaging that Ruben wants to have towards everything moving forward is we can, we can help the entrepreneur that is sitting in his, in his home office right now, figure out what's next and, uh, we can do it and offer the platform to to really do it without any fees or anything like that. Excuse me. Um, yeah, and I love that. I love the spirit of that, that it is enabling entrepreneurs and making the process more accessible because now so many, I mean, we all know, so many tools are available that were not available even one year ago, five years ago, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so Cash Drop. That's what we're here to talk about, this great app, Cash Drop. And, you know, I know we all know what it is, but give us an overview. If somebody's listening to this podcast, watching the stream, and they have not heard of Cash Drop, describe what Cash Drop is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Cash Drop is an app that uh, enables you to create an online store from your phone in under 15 minutes. Uh, you don't need to know how to code or design. You simply talk to a chatbot and you're off and going. And really the biggest thing for us was making it 
hyper accessible for people to start that online business if I was wanted to. So, you know, when you come to Cash App, you create the store. There's not no commissions. There's no setup fees. There's no monthly fees. Our goal is to get your market immediately. So that's really what the in a nutshell is. Uh, some people, you know, kind of talk it as this bridge between a Venmo and a Shopify. You know, I kind of vibe with that. But really, it's just about, you know, turning your ideas into money. You know, what ideas you want is whether it's a restaurant or a t-shirt business or a site hustle or a digital goods distribution, you know, whatever it is, you can come do a drop, start selling it and start that business in minutes. Yeah. And so with this concept, which I think is great, I mean, you know, talking about just making things so streamlined, that's, I think, one of the big things that, you know, helps a company succeed in 2020 is just people want to just pick up their phone you know, hit three buttons and they're like, cool, now I'm doing the thing I'm trying to do, you know? So with this ease of use, how has the response been from, you know, any vendors, any clients, any, you know, people who are using Cash Trap, what has their experience been like and what kind of feedback have you gotten? I think, you know, I, I kind of want to, you know, even talk a little bit about what we're saying about these tectonic shifts. You know, I, I think that, yeah when you really analyze, you know, the Napster story, the app store story, it's, it's these platforms or these products that pop into existence that democratize access to the greater mass about a big problem or a big opportunity for a lot of people. And that's really the biggest inspiration for cash drop uh, because the path to market digitally is not very self-evident. It's not very easy for people to just launch a store and start selling. It's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people are not technical engineers like me and they need to hire one. And that increases the friction, the barrier to entry. And I really think that, that that's something that we wanted to champion for people as to like, how do you make it just friction free, you know, excuse free to go to market. And I think that that's something that, really wow us a lot of the people that, that they start using our platform like we have a very eclectic ecosystem of merchants that use the platform we started with food trucks restaurants we do food halls but also we have barber shops and you know nail salons and t-shirt hustlers and digital influencers and cloud grocery stores and coffee shops and i think you know, I've always been very passionate about how do you find this common denominator, right? Like what is the connecting factor between a t-shirt business and a coffee shop and a food truck and a digital influencer? Well, is that these people just want to pursue their dreams and they want to feed their families, right? They just want to start selling. You know, you don't want to have to worry about like, well, what happens if I press the wrong button? And all of a sudden I have to call some nerd to fix something. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford it. And this thing is just going to be so complicated that I don't even know how my own business operates. You know, so I think that that's the first thing that people know is like, holy shit, it's really that easy to create a store and create that business where now I'm just focused on selling. Now I'm running my business and that infrastructure is no longer a problem or a worry. Right. That is very important to us to make sure that, that, that we address, because, you know, if you start seeing how e-commerce operates right now, it's very expensive, it's very cumbersome. And you need to have a dedicated staff or a nerd on, on command like me to make sure that it doesn't go down, that you know how to use it and operate it. So like we wanted to throw that away and really, like I said, democratize access where like no matter who you are or what your level of tech savviness is, you, you don't have to worry about the infrastructure. You just worry about your business 
You put that link in bio and you start taking orders and you focus on what matters, which is building community, showing your message to the world and processing orders and you're done. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I mean, it's, you know, I, I do some selling online. I sell podcast workshops and I sell uh, some other courses and I just recently launched a store on Thinkific, the uh, course building platform. And I just sold my first course there. And it's like, that's an awesome feeling. It feels really mm -hmm. good when you sell something and you get that email and it's like, hey, you know, somebody has bought your, I mean, it's nice to get the money, but it's really, it's just cool because it's like, oh, this is validation of this concept that like it's in the market and people are responding to it. So I love the idea of this app that makes that easier because, you know, I think we're all in agreement that, yeah, the ease of use is one of the big barriers to entry for a lot of people who otherwise could be selling their, you know, their products and services. Are you getting a lot of first time vendors, maybe people who didn't have a e-commerce um, yeah. presence before? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's really the, the, the demographic that we want to champion. You know, I, um, when you really study the, the history of e-commerce as we know it, you know, obviously you start thinking about Shopify, you start thinking about Square. And, you know, these are massively profitable companies that are growing and growing and growing, but still e-commerce is nothing but a tiny sliver of the whole, you know, spectrum. And this is what I like to think about all the time. Like, you know, yes, Shopify is a $120 billion company, but it took them 16 years to reach 1 million worldwide stores. There's hundreds of millions of entrepreneurs in small businesses, people that are either in business or haven't even gotten started. So like, what are we doing to help those smaller fish when they're nobodies, when they have nothing, but in three years become the incumbent, right? Like we really haven't made it easier for a lot of these people. And the thing is, when you start a business, 99% of what you do is going to fail. It's not going to work. But I feel like we are putting these high expectations on high barriers of entry where people are unable to pivot and change because it has to work because you put all that money, all that time and all that effort, and it just makes you unable to change and fail. And, you know, with Cash Trap, again, it's risk-free. It didn't cost you anything. You didn't have to depend on anybody to set it up. And maybe the first drop that you did didn't work, but then you drop another one and you try different ways and you keep pivoting and trying out until you find a thing that works. And, and you know, we have some really amazing stories about that. Like, I can think of this guy that, that I met through cash and now we're, 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 we're buddies. You know, he, he, he was a bartender. He got laid off. He had no source of income and he comes from a graffiti background. So he, you know, he would like to doodle and sketch out things. And he ends up with this design on a piece of paper that's like, wow, this could be an awesome t-shirt, but guess what? I don't have any money. I can't afford to build the inventory. I can't afford to produce it. I can't afford to set up a store. Like it's just kind of just a pipe, a pipe dream. Right. But guess what? He goes on Instagram. He sees about cash drop. He downloads the app and he puts the design for sale, even though he had nothing. He just put it out there, hoping that it would sell. Fast forward two weeks later, he's got six hundred dollars worth of orders and he used that money to buy himself a vinyl cutter to produce the shirts. Fast forward another two months. He has an entire line. You know, he's in hoodies and shirts and, you know, and shorts and sweatpants. So I think that that is one of those 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 uh Cinderella, Cinderella stories, if you will, that, that we want to focus on, you know, like, yes, we are for businesses that are already operating, but I think to us, the bigger vision is who hasn't gotten the chance to get started. And it's one of my fundamental beliefs that, you know, particularly in the communities that, that, that we come from being an entrepreneur is a luxury. 
Not everybody gets to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to throw it all away. I'm going to pursue this dream. Right. It's a luxury for a lot of people. And, you know, that's 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 our personal mission of how do we make it hyper accessible to start that business? How do we make it and pave up a realistic path for the majority of people to try it, to fail, to see if it's going to work? Because for the ones that it will, if they put in the effort and the time and you remove that friction, they're going to become very loyal. Right. They're going to become the incumbents. And that next generation is it, we want it to be built on our platform. So again, our, our philosophy is instead of shutting people at the door because they can't afford it or don't have the technical know-how, we, we welcome everybody. No matter what business you are, no matter what stage of the process you are, we're going to make it our personal responsibility to help you get going, to help you get started so that we can start finding all the people like that guy in Madison that feel like they could never have gotten started, but they just took the leap of faith. They did it. And all of a sudden they're in business. You know, that's, that's, that's the perfect demographic of what we're looking towards the future. And that just, when we see these stories, it just keeps reinforcing that for us, that this is how we're going to make an impact in the world. Ruben hit on something uh, very, very, the, the story of the, the guy from Madison is interesting because I literally am in a group chat right now and my buddy's had this brand for like three years. He's had the name, had the trademark, everything, and he hasn't started it. And I was like, dude, you, he just got laid off. Why haven't you started it? It's, he's like, oh, it's, it's about money. It's about, I don't have a website. I don't have this. I don't have that. And for years, even in college, I was told if I want to start a, a, a company, I need to have all my boxes checked before it dropped, before I go live with right. it. And had Ruben waited, somebody probably, some type of competitor probably would have taken his spot. And that's the thing that I feel like, especially like people, us as people of color, we need to like battle through is we don't need all our boxes checked. As long as we, if we know we have a product, we have an audience, we can launch something today on cash Drop and we can sell, we can sell millions of dollars on the app without having to have a website, without having to have a knowledge of, of, of coding or anything like that. And that's, that's the beauty behind the app. That's honestly why I jumped on board. It was okay. I, I wanted to be involved with something bigger than me. And uh, with my company, I felt like the company was about me. And I, I said, all right, my next stop is going to be somewhere that's bigger than me. And that's what cash Drop is. It's somewhere that is bigger than me that at the end of the day, I know when I go, when I put my head on the pillow, I know we've ha- helped X number of people launch a business. And I know that all the collaborations that are soon to come are literally people that maybe have a storefront, but don't have an online presence. And all of a sudden they're going to 10X their business just for having an online presence. And that's, yeah. that's the difference. And again, I love that. I love this idea. I mean, I teach a, um, a freelancing course in the entrepreneurship department at Columbia College. So, and I'm somebody who's been a freelancer my whole life, been an entrepreneur, like, you know, everything you're saying I relate to. And I also, I can, I recognize fully the value, like how much it actually can change your life if you are not just reliant on getting a paycheck twice a month from one company that could fire you at any moment with no notice, but you also have your own product that's bringing in separate income, you know, outside of any job you have, that really does provide this different sense of like security and allow you to do different things with your life. It's, I, I love that idea. Yeah. So, you know, for anyone who's not aware, so they're, they're listening, they say, okay, cool. Cash chops sounds great. 
what are some of the tools and resources that the app provides to vendors, to entrepreneurs? Like, you know, what actually makes the app useful and, and you know, stand out? I think it's just uh, the accessibility, you know, um, it, it, and I do this a lot with with uh, investors uh, that I'm pitching to or like people that are inquiring, like I literally like to just show the whole process of like taking a, a cash up store from like download to money in the bank. And I think that that's when it clicks. And they're like, oh, my God. Wow. Right. And because when you start comparing that to the to the legacy e-commerce platforms, you start seeing very quickly that 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 there is there's a reason why part of their onboarding experience is to hire a professional to help you set up the store. And that makes all the difference. We don't have it's not about features. It's not about power. It's not that, you know, like it's about just getting to the point of what matters to the merchant, which is just focusing your business, start making money, start putting food on the table. Like you don't need to have to pay for all of these bells and whistles, but that's how the e-commerce industry operates, you know, and that's the fundamental switch. I think what makes Cashrop very disruptive, it's not so much about the technology. It's about the fundamental switch in that process as to how the e-commerce industry makes money, because how it currently stands, you know, when you go to these other legacy uh, uh, platforms, you know, it's almost as if the merchant has to pay more to unlock a better selling experience. You pay for the free, free, the freemium tier, but then if you want this, you have to pay this much, but then if you want this other tools and this other tools, you have to keep paying more and more and more and more. And I feel like we kind of, you know, embabble ourselves with all these bells and whistles that ultimately don't matter until you know that the business that you have is a viable concept. Right. And again, this is how you kind of get into the slippery slope of like you put too much time and effort and money and now you need it to work this way. So you kind of create all this bureaucracy and politics for your business and you're going to die. Ninety nine percent of businesses are supposed to die. Right. But it's not about, you know, failure is just kind of like a piece of that process to find what's going to work. And, you know, for Castrop, again, it's just about switching those tables, about saying, look, we're going to create this fundamental alignment where the merchant success is our success, right? Where we're going to make sure that everything we do is to give you the best access, the most access to the best possible selling experience off the bat immediately, right? And, and, and that's really the only thing that we need to do because by virtue of those values, our product is super easy to set up. You can set it up in minutes. It's not that these other companies can't achieve that, but it's their fundamental economics of how they need to make money prevents them of creating the experience that the new generation of merchant requires, which is just, you know, I want to start selling now. I want to try it out. I want to be able to pivot and I don't want to have to depend on other people to do it for me, even though I might not be, you know, super tech savvy. And really that's, you know, one of the trends that I saw when I was building Cashrop. There was this ter- uh, term that I coined called DM commerce, which is this resurgence of entrepreneurs just getting started trying to run their businesses on Venmo and DMs. How many times have you seen that? DM me and then cash at me, Venmo me. But Venmo and cash app are peer-to-peer wallet systems. They're not a proper infrastructure to run a business. But it seems like entrepreneurs are settling or creating sub-bar solutions that is that speak to their fundamental values of how they want to operate and run their business when there's this overly powerful incumbents that are here, right? That that this just this disconnect. And that's I fundamentally believe it's just it's it's an economic problem. And we, you know, like by tackling that first, everything else just kind of cascades from there. 
right? So that, and that's really the only juxtaposition that we need to have with anything else. Just look by virtue of that or product, you download this app, you, you answer a few questions, you create an inventory by just talking to this chat bot. And guess what? In five minutes, there's money in the bank. That's it. That's all that matters to an entrepreneur. I don't care about these other, you know, fancy features that really, I don't even know how to use. I just need to make sure that I'm making money. That's all that matters. Yeah. Ching, 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 right? <laughs> now, you know, obviously at the beginning of this year, let's say January, February, the world on every level is very different than the world is today. And, you know, there might, let's, let's hope that there's a uh, light at the end of the tunnel in 2021. There's a vaccine. Maybe we start, you know, interacting in person again. So, so the world, I think is going to again, look different. Let's say another eight months from now, 10 months from now. What thoughts do you have about the role? Because I, I mean, it's not a secret, obviously, it's very obvious to say e-commerce has exploded this year. But how do you see e-commerce, you know, continuing to evolve next year when the world is going to, again, probably become a different place in the middle of the year? I think it's uh, um, about evolving commerce as we know it. You know, it's it, it, I, I personally don't believe they should be commerce and e-commerce It's the same thing you're selling. Right. If anything, I think the virus was really just an accelerant over where we're already going, right? I, I think the virus accelerated that, that adoption curve from 10 years to three months, right? And technology went from this nice to have to a lot of businesses to this existential tool you need to have to stay in business. And that's only going to get more and more and more, you know, uh, prevalent for not only for the restaurant industry, but just any type of business as we know it, right? And you know, I, I think that now, you, you know, the reason why you're starting to see the devastation that the industry is having in a lot of different sectors is because a lot of times of their inability to adapt to these technologies, to really be able to implement systems quick enough that allow them to pivot fast enough to start bringing in some lifelines to their business. And then they're unable to do that quickly enough and then they die. But I think, you know, like, I like to think about what is the what's the next generation of restaurants going to look like, of retail stores going to look like. Honestly, it's nothing new. I'll tell you what, you know, the name Castro was inspired by Supreme, the brand, right? I'm not a streetwear type of guy. I don't know anything about fashion, but like I read this article once about Supreme that, that talked about how they pioneer what's called the drop economy, which was this thought process and shift away from instead of having that 20,000 square foot Michigan Avenue flagship store with unlimited SKUs and unlimited inventory, creating this virtually scarce, you know, digital movement where it's like you're going to limit it and you're going to time dose it. And not only does that cut exponentially your operating costs, it also increases the, 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 the customer, you know, the customer loyalty wanting to have your product. Right. And I think that that's what's going to happen. Like you start seeing that with Starbucks, where now they're shifting to instead of gigantic retail locations, they want to have a 600, 600 square foot, you know, pickup only window that's just moving orders, bam, 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 bam. So I think that, that, that their restructuring is here to come. Like commerce is just changed for the rest of eternity, I think. You know, this because at the end of the day, it's still more convenient. No customer wants to wait in line. No customer wants to interact with a cashier. You know, the businesses, I believe that a lot of times cashiers are going to be looked at like the, the telephone operators of 60 years ago, where they're like plugging sure. around tables. The idea of having somebody whose entire purpose is to swipe pieces of plastic doesn't work in a world where people want to be in their home 
looking through Instagram and you click a link and all of a sudden you're waiting for your order to get you that ping that it's ready. Right. Like I think that, that there's a lot to unpack there, but you know, uh, uh, our personal focus is how do we make sure that we keep those local entrepreneurs in power, right? And give them control to make better decisions about their business. Cash is not about automating jobs away. It's about putting merchants in a position of power to start saying, well, maybe the cashiers that no longer serve a purpose, maybe we can put them in, you know, pushing more orders because our traffic is increased. Maybe we start thinking about other avenues of business that we could be leveraging, like doing our own delivery so that we have to, we don't have to pay 30% of every order. Or maybe, you know, we have businesses that have done complete new satellite locations by virtue of just doing a new drop and they treat it as a complete completely different restaurant. We have, you know, we have food trucks that have expanded in the middle of the pandemic by virtue of just adding a new drop. And all of a sudden, instead of taking orders on the food truck, they go to a different commissary kitchen and all of a sudden they have two locations, right? Like that's, I think, what's going to, you're going to see this movement of just hustle and bustle, right? And I think in an ironic sense, it's a little bit something that America was lacking because when you look in developing nations, you know, you know, that adage that says that, that, that invention, you know, like, uh, uh, invention is the byproduct of necessity, right? Like I think that's kind of what's happening. People have never had this much time to themselves. We have never had this much, you know, uh, insecurities and fears about what's next that it's just going to naturally kind of fire you know this this drive to want to figure out what's next how do we optimize how do we make it easier how do we make it more profitable how do we scale it and i think that if you give that movement a tool like cash drop that is so easy that you can try and expand I think that 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 we see ourselves really entrenching and creating the next wave of what commerce, as we know, we know it looks like. Where it's not, we're kind of like muddling this this the the this divide between physical and, and and online commerce. It's just the same business, just selling, whether it's on premise or off premise, and just streamlining all of these things so that they can squeeze as much revenue from as little footprint and operating costs as possible because that's how you have these businesses that can thrive and basically survive a nuclear winter because you see them like there is businesses that are completely dying left and right but there's ones that are thriving and we mm-hmm. see this all the time like we have cash drop merchants all over the country that have never been this good like they are right. thriving in the middle of the pandemic they are expanding their business they are opening new locations so it is possible it's just this completely reframe of what your business is and what it needs to become to adapt to where the future is taking us and that requires access right because you know, you know like because this was something that previously was only available to the McDonald's of the world to the Starbucks of the world and we like to think the cash drop is that equalizer that by virtue of just downloading this free app you have access to something that can work for you a young hustler that's just getting started a food truck all the way to a stadium to a 10 million dollar year food hall it's the same app you have the same access there's no longer any excuses rather the limits of your own imagination of what your business can become. And the technology is no longer a barrier to entry or a friction point. It's an enabler to where you want to drive your own destiny. And I think that that's what ultimately not only just an entrepreneur, but everybody wants that. Everybody wants to have that ability to dictate what the next step is going to be, where you're going to be. Right. And I think that this is something that we've kind of gotten the taste of with the pandemic. Right. But the fact of the matter is I've been working from home for six years. Right. I've been doing what I want for six years and people are starting to kind of get a taste of that. And like, wow, this is way better. If I can work from home, if I can travel, if I can do what I want. 
not only does it give me a better outlook about life, it makes me more productive. It makes me more excited about it. Like who doesn't want that for themselves? Right. And I think that that tools like cash up is what's going to enable so many people to say, hey, it's the year of the side hustle. I'm going to try it out. And it's just going to pave that way for me to better myself, to push my community forward and to expand the bounds of what I thought was capable for myself without having to put so much risk and fear into the process. I'm just going to try it out. And slowly but surely, small gains lead to massive successes. We're seeing it with one of our collaborators, the next collaborator that we're doing something with next Monday. It's he realized he jumped on the platform, started playing with the platform, realized how easy it is to set it up to throw it's a vintage store in Milwaukee and he now rented out a space next to him to run the entire online store out of. And instead of just running in a path of just retail and relying on people door pulls every day, he's now relying on, Oh wow, I have a decent Instagram following. Let me just sell to the people that follow me on Instagram because I looked at my analytics not all these people are from Milwaukee, but they're engaging with me and they would buy this online. And um, instead of like his hesitation on setting up an online storefront was the last time I set up an online storefront, it took me six hours through Shopify. And I told him it takes him 15 minutes on cash drop and you can set this up and I, you can even uh, message us on the app and we'll, we'll help you through the entire process. And that's where, that's where we're different than everybody else. And that's what he said immediately. And that's what our collaborators are saying every day is we're different than everybody else. Because if I set up a Shopify store tomorrow, I would probably get the, the same bland email of, yeah, we'll get to you within 24 to 48 hours. Rather than chatting with our, our staff real time through the app and they'll walk you the, through the entire process. Hell, they might even do it for you. So that's that's the difference. And that's what we're seeing already is there's people adapting to the change. There's people adapting to what this pandemic has brought. And the, the first adapters are going to be the, the most profitable. And we're just trying to push our merchants to do that as soon as possible. I love this. This is really like I th- I just my head is is totally filled with like possibilities of what this could be. I think this is great. I'm going to recommend it to people I know. I'm going to put my podcast workshop on the site this weekend. Um, you know, so as we are kind of wrapping this up and I, and I love this conversation, I hope that, you know, we can check in, you know, as you guys move forward and bring you back on the podcast as we have updates, but what's next for cash drop, you know, what are you looking at for the new year? Anything else that's on the horizon? Yeah, actually. So, um, there's some, there's a new feature we're releasing. that are very excited about it. I think this kind of speaks to the whole workshop thing. Uh, where, you know, the first iteration of Cash Shop was really focusing on physical products, right? Services, products, things that revolve like your physical presence. Now we're, we're adding, you know, a new set of tools to deal with the digital world, right? So we are coming up with this new feature we're calling a link drop, right? And it's really the same idea. Like you buy something, you get a text back when your order is either ready for you to get it or it's coming to you, but instead this time you get a digital asset, right? And with the link drop, you can set it up and it gives you two different options. You can create a universal link. So let's say that everybody that places an order to that item gets the same link. So you can self-release your own mixtape or your own podcast 
or your own ebook or your own version of masterclass, right? But also you can create a, un a unique link, which means that everybody that purchases gets a, 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 an individualized link. And this, I think, is going to be super exciting for us because it's going to enable people to do, you know, their own selfie requests and video requests. People are going to be able to do their own version of you know, a lot of these digital marketplace uh, 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 places. And a lot of them take, you know, commissions. 25, 30%. And so like, this is going to basically give you that power of cash up of setting up that storefront, no commissions, no monthly fees. You can start selling to your immediate social circles. And, but it's going to kind of give you that ability to start selling digital assets. And I think we're super excited as to what that could become because, you know, like some, we're very blessed to have some, some awesome investors that, you know, that are, that are really big in the YouTube game. And, and, and we talked about that. Like, what does that next generation of businesses look like, right? Like one of my investors, Michelle Fon, when she started, you know, being a YouTuber wasn't cool. She was bullied out of school for being a YouTuber. Fast forward 10 years, she's one of the most successful YouTubers of all time. And I think that we got to kind of ask ourselves that question. Like perhaps you have this kid in high school who's an awesome Fortnite player and all these people want to learn from him. Maybe you do a link drop and you, you do a video on how to teach people how to do it. Instead of just putting it on YouTube, you can monetize your influence. You can monetize your, your social circles and start making some money for yourself where maybe, you know, a year down the line, you're that guy. You know, you're doing a masterclass, you're teaching courses, you're making money in something that objectively a lot of people can look at and be like, how does that provide any value, right? How does that turn into a business? So that we're super excited about. I think that it's going to really open up, you know, Pandora's box of what could be done to sell and how, you know, how that next generation of businesses look like. So we're planning on dropping that next week. Uh, it's going to be huge. So uh, we're definitely super excited to see how it unfolds particularly when you start talking about digital influencers and people that just want to start showing and monetizing the skills that they have in a new wave, you know, and, you know, all of a sudden all you need to start a business is you download TikTok and cash Drop and bam, that's it. Or you Instagram and cash Drop And that's all you need from there is just your imagination and how much hustle you want. You know, that's, that's, that's it. So, so that's, what's next for us. Wow, man, that is exciting stuff. And I'm definitely on board for that. Um, because yeah, I'm somebody who does a lot of online workshops and classes and things like that. So always excited about a new way to share those and, and, you know, build out with that. But, but this is so cool. I love that both of you are doing this. I love that this is happening in Chicago as well. I'm always a fan of seeing, you know, innovators in Chicago, whether it's in tech music, any field, but, but this is great. I love that. Like, you know, companies like Cameo, Cash Drop, Talk, you know, these companies that are kind of like leading the way for what commerce is going to look like going forward, not just in Chicago, but just nationally and internationally. And I love that that is all being you know, being based here. Um, Ruben Flores Martinez and Izzy Lugo. The website is getcashdrop.com. Cash Drop is the name of the service. Um, and man, thank you both so much for being here and talking about this in such great detail and definitely would love to chat again as new things are happening, you know, in 2021. So thank you both so much. Appreciate you, man. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.